this series called Awaken the Adventure. Last week we talked about comfort and sort of how we love our comfort and how we love to sort of lay in a recliner and just lay back. You know what, I just, I saw this other day that Lazy Boy, Lazy Boy is the number one best-selling chair in all of America. How many of you got a recliner? Don't lie. Let me see you. How many of you lay off in that Lazy Boy? Listen, they don't get the number one best-selling chair in America. They don't call it a Risky Boy. They don't call it a worker boy. Come on now. They call it a lazy boy. That's what you do. I'm lazy in it. I, I lay back. I veg out. Where are all my Netflix people at that you like to binge seven or eight hours a day? Yeah, I know where you're at. Now, you just lay up. What did we ever do when we had to watch commercials, everybody? God forbid. Like, I just want to lay back, and I want to lay around. I get in my lazy boy, and I want to be lazy. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to put on real clothes. Some of y'all go out not putting on. Y'all forgot. Don't put on real clothes. I just want to lay up and be a couch potato. And here's the problem with that. Listen, is that in American culture, we've sort of, we've had that. Here's what we said last week. We've had that mentality where we laid back so long. It's infected our spirituality. And we've lived our faith lives laid back, comfortable where we've always been, talking about what it is we want to do but never doing anything. You ever met anybody who talks a big game but does nothing with their life? If you're married to them, don't raise your hand. They always talk about, here's why I'm thinking to do this. I grew up in, in Arkansas. I know you can't tell from this accent, but I grew up in the deep south. SEC, baby. Where y'all at? SEC. There you go. SEC. I grew up in the deep south. In the deep south, we're fitting to do everything. I'm fitting, I'm fitting to get up. I'm fitting, I'm fitting to happen. We're we fitting to go to eat. I'm fitting to get done preaching. I'm fitting to preach. I don't even know what I'm about to do. I'm fitting. I'm fitting to, I'm always, when we first got married, Brandy's from Texas, and she was like, why are you fixing to do everything? I said, number one, girl, I'm fitting to hit you in the face. You talk to me like that. Don't do that. I'm always about to do something. I meet people all the time where they're about to go do something for God. You know, they're, I'm a, man, I'm, 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 this is the year I'm going to get healthy. I'm fitting to quit donuts. I ain't trying to quit donuts. I'm, I'm fitting to pray. I'm, I'm going to do it. This is the year. I'm coming to prayer. Y'all been two weeks. I need to see you somewhere. Like, this is your last chance. Like, I'm fixing to do it. I'm always talking about it. And James sort of walks into that situation. Listen to what the Bible says in James 1. He says, I want you to be doers of the word. Underline this in your Bible. If you're taking notes, listen, I don't know this is a truth or not, but I think more people go to heaven who take notes. I really do believe that. Be doers of the word. Underline that in your Bible or your notes. And not hearers only. Because if you only hear what it is that God's saying to you, or you come to church and you get inspired, and I want you to keep coming to church. I want you to be inspired. I feel like I'm an inspiring preacher. I want to help you and encourage your faith. But if all you do is come in here, and hear and leave and you don't apply or do anything that God's told you to do, you don't apply God's word, then here's what happens. You end up deceiving yourself that you're making progress when you're really just kind of laid back, you know. It's that it's it's the Monday morning quarterback. It's the armchair quarterback that lays up, you know what I mean, with their belly hanging out from underneath their shirt talking about how they could play basketball better than Kawhi. You know what I'm saying? And most people, that's how they live their spirituality. They just talk about, man, I, I, oh, I'm spiritual. I, I can do, but they don't do what it is. They just, they just hear it, and they're deceiving themselves. And so for the last three weeks and for the next couple, today and next week, my job is to try to rescue your purpose from apathy. I'm trying to save your destiny, everybody. I really am. I want you to awaken the adventure that God has on the inside of you, the purpose, the calling that God has for you, because you and I have a choice. We can either choose... The lazy boy chair, or we can choose the challenge. And whichever one you consistently choose, listen to me, will become a habit in your life. 
Whichever one you consistently choose. If you consistently sit on the sidelines, laid back in your lazy boy, never really taking a step forward for God, never growing into that, then, then it's going to become a habit that every time you hear uh, an inspiring word or you hear God's word and He talks to your heart, you're just going to be comfortable with laying back and going, that was a good one. I can't wait for next week. Boy, I hope he does better next week. That little funny little fellow, look at him. He spits a lot. That's neat up there. I know what y'all think. I can hear some of y'all. And, and, and you just you lay back and it just becomes a habit. But listen, the other thing's the truth as well. When you step up and you accept the challenge that God has in your life, it becomes habitual too. And those kind of people, I love those kind of people in church because they're always taking a next step with God. They're always going, hey, I've never done that, but if God's calling me there, I'll go there. Hey, I've never taken that step before, but I'm ready to take that challenge. Because you can either accept the challenge or you can leave yourself in that comfort, but you cannot do both. We said last week, because comfort zones and callings don't go hand in hand. Shout amen to that. Comfort zones and callings just don't go hand in hand. You can't do both. you got to, at some point in your life, decide, am I going to get up and do what it is God's called me to do, or am I just going to sit back and hear this? There's a great story of that. In the New Testament, if you've been around church a while, you've heard this story before. We're going to walk through it. It's found in the book of Matthew, if you have your Bibles. Flip over there, Matthew 14. You can follow along on the screen. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples... Get into the boat, listen, and go ahead of him to the other side. This is always so hard for me. When Jesus tells me to do something and he says, you go on ahead, I'll be there in a minute. While he dismissed the crowd, he sort of stays behind. After he dismissed all of them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. So I want you to catch the scene. The disciples are in a boat because God told them to get in a boat. And they're on their way across. And he says, hey, guys, I'll catch up. But he doesn't immediately go catch up. He goes to a mountaintop so that his vantage point is higher and he can see where they are. Let me pause right here and tell you. When you think God can't see you, he's in a higher place than you are. He knows exactly where you are. Say amen to that, everybody. So Jesus goes to a mountainside to pray by himself, and, and later in the night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. This is sort of where I find myself more often than not. And I was buffeted by the waves. Now, I know some of y'all are fast and think that's buffet. That's different. We know. <laughs> some of y'all are like, they had a buffet on that boat? I'm, I can do that. No. It buffeted. They were tossed around by the waves because the winds were good. They were in a storm. But listen close. They were in a storm a considerable distance from the shore. It's always true in my life that the storms don't come when I'm closest to the shore. You know why? Because if the storms were to come when I was closest to the shore, I could turn around and just go back to safety. I'm not that far. I can just get back where I came from. I'm almost to the other side. A little bit more rowing. I can get over there. I can, I can weather all of this. But the disciples weren't close to anywhere. They, weren't, they were considerable distance. In other words, they were probably in the middle of this lake out there. And that's when the storm shows up. Sometimes in your life when you're doing what God's called you to do, you get right in the middle of it. Then the storm shows up. And there's waves and it's tossing this boat. And shortly before dawn, listen, Jesus comes walking. He went out to them. Walking on the lake. I thought he was in the mountaintop. It's a good thing about serving the kind of God that we, that we do. No matter where he is, he's there with you. Shout amen to that, everybody. So he just shows up walking on the lake. He's right there. And the disciples saw him walking on the water. And they were, everybody shout, terrified. Because that's what happens when you're in a storm. Everything is scary. 
There's some people in this room today that your marriages are in a storm. Your finances are in a storm. There's a health crisis. There's depression. There's problems with your children. You don't know what to do. And every, the, only, the only emotion you know how to describe is, I'm terrified. I'm just terrified to move forward, Pastor. I don't know what to do next. I'm terrified about the next. I remember counseling somebody one time, and they said, I just don't want another shoe to drop. I, I'm terrified to answer the phone, because if I answer the phone, it may be some other bad news. I'm terrified about everything. Because I'm in the middle of the boat and I thought that God told me to come over here. And now I'm in the middle of this water and there's a storm. And they're terrified. And even when it's Jesus, listen, you'll start telling yourself ghost stories. And crying out in fear. Even when it's Jesus walking towards you, everything scares you. I like to say it like this. When you're a nail, everything's a hammer. You know what I'm saying? I told you I'm from Arkansas. I got a hundred of these. When, when, when you're scared, everything's scared. You ever been, you ever been so you ever been scared? I'm scared of the dark growing up. And I would I would get in my bed. I always shared a, a room with my brother till we were till I was actually engaged before I, we stopped sharing a room with my parents bought a house. We had separate rooms, but we'd have several beds in the room, and I would I would my little brother, he'd just sleep on top of the covers and never scared of nothing. But I I would pull the covers up over my head and I would leave a little bitty part for my mouth to breathe. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Where are you at on that? Y'all still do that. Don't Mark, you do yeah, you know, Bob. I was scared to death in the dark. <laughs> I remember Remember, I was, everything would scare me. Any movement, I just, oh God, what is, oh God, they're here. Somebody said, I don't know who was here, but somebody was here. Somebody was out to get me. Then, then I had kids. I'm not as scared of the dark anyway, whatever. But I, I, my, I have a little boy, he's three years old, and, and he started walking. And my little boy sleep talks and sleep walks like a mug. Anybody's kids sleepwalk and talk like that? Like, terrible. It's awful. Like, he's possessed little devil kid. And like, this is a true story. We were in, we were in bed, but Henry was... He may have just turned two or something. Like he just started walking. We were in bed, and I was out. Covers over my head, a little bit of mouth. You know what I'm saying? I'm just breathing, doing what I'm doing. And all, all of a sudden, I felt this little tap on my shoulder like that. And I opened my eyes and kind of moved the covers off. And Chucky Doll, he is right there up in my eyeball. I, I, I hit him right in the face. He's crying. I'm crying. Everybody's crying. Brandy's still just... Because when you're scared, everything scares you. Even when somebody tells you that God's got something more for you, you think, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I'm scared. I tried that before and it didn't work. I I took a step before and I got hurt. I I I said yes and this is what happened. And so they're terrified. They said it's a ghost. But immediately Jesus says to them, immediately, take courage. It is I. Listen to that. Don't be afraid. So God, he sort of identifies himself. And I love this next part. Peter speaks up. He's the loud mouth of the group. Everybody knows who that is. If you don't know who the loud mouth in your family is, it's you. And Peter, Peter, he says, Lord, if it's you. Dummy, I just said, it is I. Did you not hear what I just said? I just said, it is I. But Peter's like, you don't know. I'm scared. Because listen, when you're in a storm, everything scares you, even the presence of God. Even when you feel God calling you to something more, you think, I don't know, God. I heard you say it was you. I know this is God's word, but I just need a sign. Anybody ever pray that way? God, if it's really you, let my neighbor slap me in the face right now and tell me it's you. God, I just need a sign. God, if it's really you right now, let Pastor Mitch just throw his microphone, hit me in the face, and then I'll know. Then I'll know I'm supposed to go. And God, if it's you, people just want, God, if it's you, just open a rain cloud right here in this theater and let it rain only on me, God. Just then I'll know. And if I don't, and then and then you leave church and you go, well, it didn't rain on me. I guess it wasn't God. <laughs> and so Peter goes, if it's you, tell me. And God goes, well, I did. But 
uh, okay, I'll tell you, come. That's the only thing he said. He didn't give him directions. He didn't say, here's the plan. He didn't say, Peter, hang on, Bob. Hang on. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to step over. I'm going to grab you by the left hand. You hold on to my right arm. You put your left leg over the boat like that. Don't look down. Everybody hold on. Stay close to me. We're going to fly tandem. I have a parachute. Everything's going to be okay. You look at me. I look at you. Everything's going to be all right. None of that happened. He just said, okay, come. And then Peter, who questions whether or not this is really him, just gets out of the boat, walks on the water, comes towards Jesus. So last week we talked about identifying your comfort zones. What are the things, what's the recliner, what's the comfort chair that keeps you hold back, that keeps you in that comfortable area where you're not going to make a move. And listen, if you don't catch anything else I say today, here's the big idea today I want you to, if last week was about comfort zone, here's the big idea. You have to get out of the boat at some point in your life. Before you die, you're going to have to take a step. Before you go, you're going to have to go, okay, God, if this is what you called me to, then here's that one step. God, if this is really you, if this is really the purpose, and I'm going to spend the next 20 or so minutes trying to convince you that the purpose of God in your life is just to take the next step, shout amen to that, everybody. The old saying goes like this, that the journey of a thousand miles begins with just the first one. Just one step. This story is so unique in the Bible because everybody in there, the disciples are scared to death they're going to die. I can see what's going on because I know how preachers think. And I could see us all in the boat, Ricardo, me in the boat. We're just hanging. And, and when you think you're going to die, you start confessing all kinds of stuff. You know what I'm saying? You start telling people all kinds. I can see disciples talking about, listen, I know Jesus prayed for that blind dude. When, after he left, I told him, hey, brother, go get some glasses. Go get some contacts. You're going to be all right. Everything. I can see, like, I can see James and Andrew going, I know that it was five loaves and two fishes guys but I there were actually six and four fish and I ate them before I gave it to Jesus I'm so sorry I'm gonna go to hell you just start confessing all of your stuff and I'm scared to death and then all of a sudden somebody shows up and 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 they say boo and they show up and I'm ah God that must be a ghost what in the world was that because when you're terrified when you're in a storm Everything scares you. Everything acts like, and all that Peter says, listen, the difference in Peter's response and your response, the other disciples in the, in the boat jump up with fear, and Peter just says, Lord, is that you? Why? Let me give you some answers. Write this down if you're taking notes. Again, if you want to go to heaven, you're going to have to take notes. Water walkers always recognize God's presence. They always recognize the presence of God. Peter goes, I know guys, it's scary. I know we're terrified. I know there's a storm. I know it looks like a ghost. But I think, I've, I, think I recognize him. I, I, I know him. I, I, I feel his presence here. Listen, in a storm, it's a relationship that brings recognition. Shout amen to that, everybody. The closer you are to God, that's the reason why we're praying and fasting right here in January. Because when you get to June and all hell breaks loose in your life, I want you to have a relationship such that when you get in God's presence, you recognize it. That I already know how to, how to be in God's presence. I know what it's like. But some of us have gotten so comfortable where we are that we can't even hear Him calling. We just think, God, I don't even know if that's you. And I don't know if that's... God, is that really... And God's calling you. Hey, guys, I want to... 
listen, if anybody would have stepped out of the boat, this story would have been differently. All 12 of them would have walked on water. He just needs somebody to go, hey, I think this is something more than what we see, everybody. I think there's something here. I think God's calling us something greater. But it's the enemy's job to try to trick you and tell you that's a ghost. You've done everything you're supposed to. Listen, I know you feel goosebumps. I know I know you kind of feel like, but you've accomplished everything you're supposed to accomplish. God hasn't really called you. God called somebody else beside you. You couldn't even do what it is you feel like you could do if you tried to do it. You would fail. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. If everybody in this room knew what you did, there's no way you would step up and take that step. You just got to back up and back off and relax and let somebody else do it. And that's what the enemy will tell. It's what he told the other disciples in the boat. Just hang out here. It's scary here. But listen to me, my brothers and sisters. Look at me in the eyes. You will never live a fulfilled life and find true happiness and real joy until you follow God's purpose for your life shout amen to that thank you both of you who clap up for us Brandy and I used to love to go to New York City before we had kids we went a whole lot to New York we, I love going now but we have kids and it's a little bit different but it took us a while to get pregnant we had some infertility issues and so for 10 years while we were married we traveled the world together and, and we didn't have kids and we went to New York City a whole lot and Everybody, when you go to New York, the first question they want to ask when you come home is, did you see anybody famous? You know what I'm talking about? Did you, did you, did you take any pictures with anybody famous? And Brandy would always see famous people. I never saw famous people. We would walk out of the subway, and she'd be like, oh, my God, did you see who that was? And I'd be like, you talking about the homeless dude that just walked by me? And, like, the guy on the, she was like, that, he wasn't homeless. That was George Clooney. And I'm like, well, George Clooney didn't take a bath. I don't know what to tell you. I don't recognize. I never meet, I never meet famous people. I, it just never happens to me. It always happens to her. So I remember one of our first trips, we went down to Times Square, and right off of 42nd Street, there's, there's, a, there's a wax museum there where they, they have pictures of, like, or, or full-life wax figurines, you know, of, of famous people. And I told Brandy, listen, I'm tired of people asking me if I've seen famous people. I'm going to gather up around. I'm going I'm to put my arm around J-Lo, and you take a picture and tell everybody I saw J-Lo in New York City. And so we put it on Facebook, and everybody's like, oh, my God, you saw J-Lo. And I'm like, I didn't just see J-Lo. I put my arm around J-Lo. Where you at on that, dog? And it looked like the real thing to everybody else. But I knew, and J-Lo knew, <laughs> we ain't never hollered at each other. Look at me. You can put it all over Instagram that you're smiling next to your spouse. But you know, and God knows. You can put it all over Facebook and make everybody think that everything's okay. Everything's real. It's fake happiness. It's fake joy. It's fake peace. You got fake friends and fake relationships. And you're the only one that knows it. The enemy has convinced you and tricked you that you can just you can do it on yourself, but you know that you know there's a hole inside of your heart that you just aren't fulfilled. You're not satisfied. You're not happy because you will never find real fulfillment until you fully submitted your life to God and start walking out of the boat into the purpose God's called you to. Shout amen to that. And God's calling on your life will not quit until it's fulfilled. Look at me, that's that's God's word for somebody in this room. He will not stop until it's fulfilled in your life. You say, no, that's not how it works. That's exactly how it works. I grew up in a church. where I I remember one time I heard a preacher point his long finger at me. He was screaming, y'all think I'm loud. Y'all don't know where I come from. And he was just hollering and spitting. And he said, listen, if you don't do it, God will kill you and put somebody in your chair who will. Now look at my eyes. God's purpose will go on in the earth. God may put somebody else in that chair, but look at me. God will never call somebody else to the thing He's called you to do. 
it will, God's purpose will, will stay, God's calling in your life, it will not quit until it's fulfilled. He will not replace it with, well, he didn't do it. I guess I'll find somebody else who can do the same thing. No, no, no. They may do something similar. It may be something like what it is that he called you to. But God's callings are for you. The purpose God has for you. It will not end until you answer the call or until you die. you got to know God's presence. If you're ever going to walk on the water and really get out and experience a miracle, you got to know that you know that God's presence is there. Say amen to that, everybody. Here's the second thing if you're taking notes. If you're going to walk on the water, you've got to learn how to listen to His voice. You're going to have to know how to recognize His presence and listen to His voice. And His voice says, come, this is what I want you to do. I want you to come out of your comfort zones. I want you to come out of the storm. I know you're in a storm. I know it seems scary. I know you feel not qualified. I know you've been hurt by churches and marriages and people. And I know you're not certain. I know you're worried about money, but I want you to come. I want you to come out of the boat. I actually want you to take a step. Listen to me. Jesus did not say to Peter, pray about it. I've met more spiritual people in my life who say, you know, that's a good word, Pastor. Let me go home and pray about that. Let me go home and pray. I'm just, I just, I want whatever God wants. Look at me. There's, I think there's times when that's right, and I think you're spirit-led, and I think all oh, that's right. But most of the time, that's religious speak for. I don't actually want to do what it is I know God's called me to do. Jesus didn't go, Peter, pray about it, buddy. Just whatever you feel, man. If you feel like if God impresses you, just come on out here, buddy. I'll be here when you get here, man. Just whatever you think. No, no, no. He just said, come on. I want you to come. Because here's the reason why I write this down. Faith is the easy part. Obedience is the challenge. Faith is not the hard part. I've met more people with faith that stay in the boat than I have with people who are obedient and get out of the boat and do what God's called them to do. Because faith is the easy part. You can it, Listen, you, you can't really have faith in God without obedience because obedience is proof of your faith. Most people I met that are religious people, they just say, oh, I've got faith. Oh, I believe God can do that. Okay, well, come on. Well, I, I mean, not, I need God to speak to me. <laughs> I need, I, I'm going to pray. I'm going to go home and pray. I, I want to lead a connect group, but I'm going to go home and pray about it. You've been praying about it for 18 months since we started this church. I, I'm gonna get on the dream team. I just want God. To, I just want God to speak to me. I just, man, I'm, we're gonna start. T- this is gonna be the year. Like we're gonna get faithful. We're gonna get committed. I promise. This is going I just, I, I've got faith. God's gonna answer. Faith is the easy part. Obedience is where the challenge comes. It's, it's where I, I want to do something. I don't know that I want to actually put the work in to get what it is I want to do. I grew up in church. I told you that, and I grew up wanting to play the drums. My little boy's this way. He comes down and, and he'll 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 sit on the drum set, and Roy and our team gets so you know because he he'll mess something up. And I, I'm sure I did. A church I grew up in, we didn't even call it a stage. We were so holy it was a platform. Y'all know. But I'd get on the I'd get on the, I'd get on the platform and I'd just beat around on the drums. I remember telling the older I got, I remember telling my youth pastor, I want to play the drums in church, William. I want to play the drums in church. And he'd be like, okay, you can play the drums if you can come to rehearsals on Tuesday night, and then Wednesday night before church, you come and you can practice, and then Thursday night, and then you service on Friday night. And I wouldn't come to none of that. And then Sunday would show up and I'd go, hey man, I want to play the drums. I really feel like God's called me to play the drums. And then, you know, I, even from a young age, I learned how to use religious speak like God called me to play the drums. <laughs> man, I think God's really gifted me to play the drums. Like I really think I want to play the drums. I really, I have faith. I think I can do it. Listen, okay, you can just show up this Tuesday night. We have rehearsal Wednesday night before church and youth service and I wouldn't show up to anything. You know why? I had the desire, but I didn't have the discipline. Making decisions is so much easier than making the disciplines required to keep the decisions you made. Let me say that again. Making decisions is the easy part. I've just decided, okay, this is what I'm going to do. It's always easier to just make a decision than it is to make a discipline that supports the decision 
that you made. I don't want to just talk about getting out of the boat. I want you to get out of the boat this year, everybody. I don't want, I don't want 2018 to come and go. The reason I'm preaching so hard in, in January is because I don't want you to live another year of your life like you've lived the last 10 years of your faith, talking about what could be, the calling you could have, the purpose you could fulfill, the ministry you could start, the step you could take. I want this to be the year that you define it. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Growth Track. I'm going to get on the team. I'm going on a missions trip. I'm starting to tithe. We're getting faithful. I'm going back to school, I'm writing a book, I'm going to counseling, this is the year I step out of the boat, shout amen to that like just take a step what, what would happen though if I take a step, I don't know what to do I don't have a plan, listen how many of you are planners like me, where are you at God I'll step out of the boat, let me get my graph paper, I want to really write this out and get a good plan you stay right there, Jesus. I'm going to be in the boat. I want to map it out. I'm going to take a day or two. I'm going to draw some stuff, some scenarios. It could go like this. It could go like that. If I take a step over there, he's over there. The trajectory, the wind's blowing. I did this way. I could go. I could step over here. Then I could take a right here. And then you get your paper together and you go to God and go, Okay, God, I got a plan. Now listen, the problem with that kind of living is when you finally step out of the boat, whose plan are you following? Yours. Not God's. When I finally step out and then it fails and you go, God, what happened? Well, buddy, I called you two days ago. I told you to step out of the boat three weeks ago. I told you, I called you to this ministry and you took all of this time getting your plan together that God's not going to get, God said, that's not the plan I had for you. You didn't know how that was going to work out for you. You didn't know where you were going. You didn't know what I knew. My, my little babies, Hazel and Henry, we, I, when Henry started walking, we, we go on what Hazel calls nature walks. And, and Daddy's a little husky. Anyway, whatever. And so she thinks we're climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. We're really just walking around the neighborhood. But I make it sound because I'm sweating. And Anyway. And we were going on a nature walk. Henry had just started walking. It was so cute. She, she has this life-size little baby doll, you know. And she loves to tell him what to do. It. And, and we start walking this day. And she says, Daddy, Henry's going to lead the way. And Henry's got legs about the same length as mine, you know, or any, whatever. And so he's just, he bows back up, and here he goes, two years old, he just little legs. And she thinks it's the funniest thing that Henry's leading the way. Here's the problem with that. Henry's never walked where it is we're going. And it seems cute, but it's disastrous. We go over here, we fall in the lake, we're climbing up the walls, we go in the mailboxes, there's traffic everywhere. Why? He can't lead because he doesn't know where he's going. And so many of you are in your immaturity going, God, I'll lead the way. I got this figured out. Or you're listening to friends that say, hey, follow me. We'll figure this out. And you go, okay. And you just follow along where they go. And when it's disastrous, you go back to God and go, what happened? How did we get here? It's because they didn't where they were going they've never experienced anything they've never done anything look at my eyes don't take financial advice from broke people don't take marriage advice from couples that sleep in separate bedrooms find you a godly couple and get with them get inside of a group get to church and say God what do you want me to do where do you want me to go I'm preaching better than your amen I gotta get dream team I gotta get a handkerchief I've spit everywhere are you going to listen to people who are on the boat and tell you how scary it is? Or are you going to listen to God who's calling you to more? Are you going to listen to people who are still standing there, done nothing with their lives, tell you how you could do nothing with yours? Or are you going to say, I think God's calling me? And listen, here's the problem. 
Here's the problem, especially with perfectionists. Where's all my perfectionists at? Raise your hand. Where are you at? If, if you don't, get high, leave your hand high. There you are. Your husband knows. It's not like a secret. The problem with that kind of life, and, and especially in faith, is, listen, God's direction is not always easy to follow. Let me, give you, let me give you some hard news. Are you ready for this? Sometimes the direction of God can be painfully incomplete. Let me say that again. Most of the time, the direction of God is painfully incomplete. God calls Abraham in Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, or Abraham, go from your country. Notice the first word God tells to Abraham is not pray about it. Here's the plan. Get your map out. Let me show you where your compass is. He just says, go from your country and from your people and from your father's house. And then I will show you. I would rather the formula be like this. God, if you'll show, then I'll go. God said, doesn't work that way. You got to go then I'll show you. I've met more religious people who just say, God, just show me the way. Anybody know somebody like that? And people like that, they always pray with their hands like this. God, just show me the way. Just, and they say just a whole lot when they pray. God, just, just whatever. Right now, just you want me to do just. Just, God, just, I'll just do it. Just wherever you just want me to go. Just tell me. God, just right now, I'm just open to you. Just show me. God, just show me. I know it's true. I've met them. I pastor <laughs> God, just show me the way. Wait, you know what I'm talking God, just show me the way, and I'll go. Anybody, I've prayed that. I'm not making fun of you. I've prayed that more. God, if you'll just open the door, then I'll go. God, if you'll just tell me what building we go to next. God, if you'll just show me where we're supposed to go, I'll go. And God says, buddy, it doesn't work that way. Rarely do you get full and complete directions. God says, this doesn't work in my formula. In my formula, you get out and start walking, then I'll go, Hey, come here, let's walk this way, buddy. Since you got out of your tent and started walking, I want you to walk over here. I want you to look over there, and I'm going to give you all of that land and all of that land. But I would have never seen where God was taking me if I waited for Him to show it all to me. Listen, you will not get the complete plan of God. you got to learn how to listen to His voice and go, Okay, God, you're calling me to go, and I'll follow you closely. You ever started following somebody and they were trying to tell you how to get where they are and they're just like, oh, just follow me. You know anybody like that? And you're like, listen, buddy, I'd love to follow you, but I got this little phone here. If you'll give me the address, I'll put it in. It's the neatest thing. There's this little woman. She'll tell me where to go. I'm used to women telling me how to drive, so it's no big deal. She'll tell me where to turn, turn here, turn right, to go left, and, and, and write down your destination's on the right. But they're like, oh, no, 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 just follow me. You know anybody like that? Just, and I hate, I'm like, oh, I hate following you. You drive like a maniac, but I got to do it because I don't know where I'm going. You won't tell me where we're going, so I got to follow you. So, so we're cutting in and out of traffic. We're weaving in. Somebody wants to merge on. You're like, I'm sorry we can't merge on. I got to follow him, and I don't know where he's going, so I got to stay real close to him. Look at my eyes. The reason why God won't give you the full destination is because if he told you how to get there, you'd get there your own way. He wants you to just follow closely to him. He wants you to stay... You just stay right behind me there and I'll show you where we're going next. I'm not going to tell you. If you'll stay close, you'll see when I turn this way. If you'll get right, don't let anything come between you and me. Don't let any car get in between us. Don't let any... I'm preaching better than your amen and I'll stand up and preach it to you. you got to get close to him so he can show you which way to go. That's why he doesn't give you the whole plan. Because you'd start thinking, Brandon, I, I, oh, 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 God, I see where we're going. I can get there on my own. Thanks for that. No, 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 I want you to follow close. 
I'm not going to tell you how to do it, Peter. I'm not going to tell you which way to go. I'm just going to tell you to come. I'm just going to tell you to get out of the boat. And if you'll get out of the boat, God will show up to you. He will not illuminate the whole way. I wish God had a spotlight. I wish he had a floodlight that he would. On, on, on my house, in the backyard, there's floodlights. It lights up the whole place. But that's not the way God works. Psalm says it like this. Your word is a lamp for my, it's just for my next step i got to follow close because I don't know where I'm going. i got to stay close to you. All he does is lights up my immediate area. And I want the whole picture. And God says, no, 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 I just want you to follow close. I'll light up just around you. I want you to, and here's the reason why. Because when you're following close, listen, you'll stop making it so much about the destination and you'll start learning in the journey. Because you're not ready for your destiny yet. But the journey prepares you for that. Like the NFL player. You can't come out of high school and jump in the NFL. you got to go somewhere. we got to train. you got to have a process. there got to be some wins and losses. you got to develop. Listen, you got to develop your heart and not just your hand. And if you think you can do it on your own, if God were to give you the directions, if God were just to drop the address, here's where I want you to go, just, fine, just whenever you get there is fine. You'll start relying on your own gifting to get you there. And gifting is cultivated through practice. I'm not trying to get you to live in your gift. I'm trying to get you to live in your calling. And the only way your calling is cultivated is through closeness with God. It's through prayer. It's why I want you to pray so badly. Because I don't... Listen, your gifting's important. I, I appreciate what God's gifted you to do. I really do. But you'll start depending on your gifting and you'll get that promotion. You'll get to the corner office. You'll get somewhere in life. You'll have that and you'll start looking back and you'll start giving your gift credit instead of realizing it was God all along that called me to do this. He gave me this opportunity. And the only way to cultivate that is through prayer. Shout amen to that. You can't operate in the anointing that God has for you when you take all of the credit for it. I want you to get in your calling. I want you to understanding. And listen, here's the reason why. Because if you don't, if all you operate is in your gifting, listen, I'm talking to somebody right now. Look in my eyes. Nobody, listen to me. If you're not careful, then you'll spend 10, 20, 30 years of your life prostituting your calling for the next person that recognizes your gifting. Let me say that again. You'll start prostituting your calling out for whoever it is pays you more for your gift. You'll take a job in another city where your marriage is going to suffer. You won't see your kids as much. You won't be connected to a local church. But somebody offers you 20 grand more. They recognize your gifting. Even though your calling doesn't line up to it, you'll prostitute out your calling because you think you're in charge with this gifting. You'll live your life sacrificing the calling of God on your life. Could somebody else do it? You bet they could. When Israel's facing the Philistines, anybody in the army could have taken out. Anybody could have done that. Anybody could have fought Goliath. But David was not gifted only. He was called to fight Goliath. you got to work in your calling what God's called you to do. You, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy to do. But you're going to have to learn how to cultivate that. Shout amen to that, everybody. And when you do, then the posture of your heart will change. I'm almost done. Listen close. Then you'll start acting differently. We'll stop acting like I signed up for something 
and start acting like I'm called to something. Look at me, especially if you call City Hills home. We have to get rid of the idea that I signed. Well, I signed up for it. I got to show up. You know, I, I man, I volunteered to be there. I guess I guess I'll do it. I mean, I told Pat. I told I went to Growth Track. I guess I got. I signed up online. I guess I got to do it. I, I mean, this church needs me. Or I, I guess I'm I'm supposed to. I'll go to hell if I don't tithe. I, I'm just I signed up for it. I guess I'm supposed to do it. I I, I don't know. I, I don't really. No, no, no. You got to stop looking at your life like I signed up for it. You got to stop acting like well I signed up for this. No, no, no. I'm called to this. I'm called to give my life away. I'm called to serve with passion. I'm called to live in my purpose. I'm called to make a difference in others. I'm called to live for something above myself. I'm called to give to something that outlasts myself. This is not what I signed up for. This is what God's called me to do. Shout amen to that everybody. It'll change the way you look at Christianity. I didn't sign up for this. I was called to this. God called me to do this. God called me to do this. And you'll go through a change in your life. Come on, Henry, come forward. You'll go through a change in your life. You'll have a metamorphosis in your life. And we don't really know how this happens. Listen, all we know is about a metamorphosis is it's a changing. It's a process of being formed. But it's kind of unexplained. Listen. If you'll do what it is I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to do, you'll go on this adventure. You'll ask God to sort of open this stuff up in your life. You can't cut open a cocoon and find out how the butterfly is doing. You'll stop the process. And I can't cut open in your life what God's doing in you. I'll stop the process. But just stay the course. Stay, just keep going. I'm listening to His voice. I'm not distorting the process. I'm just following close behind. Is this helping anybody shout amen to that? It's helping me. Here's the last thing. And then I'll let you go today. We'll pray. If you're going to walk on the water, you've got to recognize God's presence can't be scared of everything. you got to listen to His voice. And then finally, you just have to actually do it. Let me ask you something. Do you have enough faith, because that's the thing, to go on one word? Not a full explanation. Not everything mapped out for you. Peter? That's it. Just one word. Most people have what I call a paralysis of analysis. I know it rhymes. It's a a preacher disease. I can't make it stop. I don't know. But you analyze so many different options that you end up taking none. I meet 20 and 30-year-olds all the time. I look them right in the eyes and say, what's God called you to do? I don't know, Pastor. I got my major. I'm just, I, I don't know about your major. I don't care about your major. What God call you to do? I look at sixty-year-olds. What God called you to do? I don't know. I've been an accountant for twenty. I don't care what you've been. I want to know what God called you to be. But you've analyzed so many different options that you've just stuck and you do nothing. I know some single people that way. If I could drop this microphone, I would. Well, if I marry her, then what if the next one comes up? What if she does, Joker? You're ugly anyway. You need to just take the first one that says yes. God, 
what would happen if I say yes today? What if I what if I actually join a group? What if I actually go to growth? What if I get on a team? What if I start tithing and I can't afford it? God, what if I commit? God, what if I go back to school and I fail? God, what if I write a book and nobody buys it? God, what if what and we just we have all of these scenarios we run and at some point you're just gonna have to go on one word. You're just gonna have to actually get out of the boat. Because God won't give you anything that you haven't first pursued. That's why Matthew says, ask, and then it'll be given to you. Seek, and then you'll find it. Knock, and then it will be opened. I know more people in this generation that just want something given to them. They want to find a million dollars underneath a rock somewhere and have every door opened for them. That's not the way of the kingdom. In the kingdom, you have to write this sentence down. I am required to participate in my destiny. You got to do something. You actually have to you actually have to get up on Sunday mornings. You actually have to do something. I got to participate. I got to get in and it's not an inevitable thing. Listen, it's a possibility. Your destiny is not inevitable. Listen to me. It's possible. My job is one of my jobs as your pastor is to help you see the possibility that God has in your life. It's the, it's one of the most daunting jobs I have because I see the potential and possibility in you. I know God has it in you, but my job is for you to recognize it's not inevitable, it's possible. But you got to participate in your destiny. You got to go back to school. You got to sign up for classes, pastor. I can't take but one a semester. Take one class and take twelve years to get an associate's degree. I don't care, baby. Just go to college. Just do it. Just take a step. Write one page at a time. Just to pay off one credit card a year. Just just start serving one weekend. Just come to one morning prayer. It, you, you understand what I'm telling you? Just take one step. You'll never see the supernatural in your life and recognize your destiny until you participate. Until you just get on. And, and, and I know what you're thinking. Well, I'm scared. I'm, I'm afraid to do it. Listen, you're going to have to go afraid. Peter wasn't any less afraid than anybody else on the boat. But he just realized, God said, come, I'll go on that. I'll do that. Because you can't be passive about following Jesus Christ. Christianity is not a spectator sport. You can't be passive. You're just going to have to get up and go. Because the very same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. You've got power, the Bible said, to tread on serpents. You've got power to walk on. Now, now, listen, if, you better know if God told you to start walking on the ocean. Come on, somebody. Don't, don't jump out in Galveston and say, Pastor said I could. But you've got power to step out today and say, I'll join. I'll commit. Right, we'll go to counseling. I, I'll, I'll go back to college. We'll start tithing. I, I'm just going to take I'm going to awaken that thing in me that God's called me to do. You'll look back and realize, I'm walking on water. God showed up when I took a step.